Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. Get your Bibles open to Romans 12. I've got a message that is burning in my heart for today with everything that we're doing right now with the church plants and and these couples. I kind of preached at the couples Sunday. I'm going to preach about preach again to them today. Remember that in the next couple months, we're going to be sending these, these couples out individually. Uh, I don't want to give any news yet, but there is news happening. You know, and as Ray was doing the offering and talking about partnering, how many know it's a powerful thing to come together and do stuff together that we can't do by ourselves? And I've had several pastors this week, even this morning, call me and say, we want to partner, we want to help, we want to give, we want to take up an offering and help. And so, you know, there's sound equipment, there's flyers, there's signs, there's, there's so much, there's, there's got the paperwork you got to do, there's a lot. And so we've taken a big step of faith, but how many know God is going to provide everything we need, amen, and for every step along the way? So at that Next step class today, we need those that are going to step up and step in to begin to get in the ministry. And I, I want to really preach a message that's just our heart this morning about our, our church. And we're going to be in Romans 12 for just a moment. But the title is, One Choice Changes Lives. By the way, if we forgot, let's give a hand to anybody who's here for the first time. If you're a guest this morning, I want to make sure that you feel welcome, that you know that we're glad you're here. Amen. And we've got people watching online this morning. Um, I want to talk about one decision changes lives. And inside of this, or sorry, one choice, choice or decision, I'm going to talk a little bit about Carl and I's story this morning. And sometimes when, you know, how many don't like to, well, some people do, but how many don't like to talk about yourself? Some people do, though. Amen? How many don't like it too much when people always talk about themselves? (laughs) And so I I don't do this very often, but the reason I want to share this story this morning is how many know this is our church? This isn't my church. It's not that person over there's church. It's our church. I love when I hear people say, my church and our church, and they make it that it's all of us together. So Carla and I's story is our story because this is our church. And so I I want to give a little story this morning about choices and seeing change lives, but I want to talk about this to kind of give you a direction to understand where I'm going. How many want to be in the will of God this morning? How many would like to be in the perfect will of God this morning? Meaning you are exactly right where God wants you to be and doing exactly what God wants you to do. I want to be there. I know you want to be there, but it takes some choices and it takes some decisions. So there is this. I want you to think about this. There is a perfect will, and we're going to see this a moment in the scriptures, and there is a permissible will. Now, when I say that, I don't mean a, in the, I was even reading on some of this this week, that the permissible is me being rebellious or me sinning and God still loves me. No, I'm talking about you're doing the will of God, you're working for God, you're serving, you're doing something in the ministry, but it's not exactly what God wants you to do. How many would be honest here this morning that sometimes we do what we want to do more than what God wants us to do? You all following me on that? I mean, a very generic example would be, uh, I, I want to sing, but God wants me to be an usher. I'm serving in both capacities, but I've just got this voice and I want to sing. And God says, I want you to humble yourself and I want you to take up the offering and usher. See what I'm saying? They're both serving God. But one is the perfect will of God and one is the permissible will. 
So I want you to think about that as we go through this. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It's the New Living Translation. And so, dear brothers and sisters, that's all of us, I plead with you. And one of the reasons I wanted to do New Living Translation was the word was beseech. And I've never asked anybody, I've never beseeched anybody. So I just wanted to use plead instead, okay? I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. And he says, let our lives be a living and holy sacrifice. The kind that he will find acceptable. How many want to be acceptable in the eyes of God? He says, this is the true, true, sorry, this is truly the way to worship him. In the King James, it says, this is our reasonable sacrifice. I like to say that is, it's the least I can do. How many know the least we can do is serve God? He has bought us with the price. He has saved our lives. The least we can do is serve. Verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and the customs. Uh, the King James says, don't be like or be conformed to the way this world thinks. But let God transform you into a new person. Changing the way, and this is the key, changing the way you think. There's an old thing called stinking thinking. Sometimes we have stinking thinking. We don't think the way God wants us to think. And if we don't think the way God wants us to think, we're not going to do what God wants us to do. And so this says he wants to change the way we think. We need to transform our thinking from our carnal minds to our spiritual minds. And then look what it says will happen. Then, answer that, the same president's calling back in the second service. Then you will learn to know how God's will, so then you will learn to know God's will for you. How many want to, know, want to know God's will? And this says, which is good and pleasing and so we can know God's perfect will. Father, we ask you this morning in this moment to speak to us. Holy Spirit, we thank you for the praise and the worship. We thank you for the musicians. We thank you for the people working with the kids this morning so we could sit here and listen to your word. A word this morning, church, that's so important, that's so vital, that someone's life and someone's soul is hanging in the balance by our choices this morning. Lord, anoint us to hear your voice and allow me to speak what you've put on my heart and bring fruit forth from it in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to go to Acts chapter 8. And we're just going to be in Acts chapter 8. If you've got your Bibles, I want to continue to challenge you to bring your Bibles to church, amen, and learn how to navigate them. Imagine if the internet went off this morning, what would you do? Amen? Would you know how to find the book of Acts? So bring your Bibles, study your Bibles, Acts chapter 8. This is a powerful story. I want you to look at this next four verses we're going to read as what I see God doing right now in, on August 7th, 2022 in Denton, Texas, in our church and in our fellowship. We're, we're seeing God move. We're seeing a revival. We're seeing souls get saved. We're seeing lives change. We're seeing people get healed. We're seeing miracles. We're seeing financial blessings. God is moving. God is stirring. He's in this place. Amen? And so I want us to look at this as, as what we're seeing right now, and then I want to point it back to a time in Carla and I's lives where we were seeing this as well, and God called us to make a choice. So it says, and by the way, right before we read this, the background is Saul has just been standing consenting to the death of Stephen. If, you, if you've read that, that part of scripture, and they, Stephen was the first martyr. He's preaching the gospel with boldness, and they grab stones and stone him to death. And he dies, and he becomes the first martyr. So because of that murder... 
because of that death, they scatter. The, the, the believers have to move and go, uh, not because they're afraid of their lives, but because they got to go preach. And so they leave and they scatter, and this is where we pick up, and it says, therefore those who were scattered went everywhere. And that, isn't it neat to see that, that someone was killed and murdered as a martyr, and they did not go and scatter and hide? What did they go do? They scattered and went everywhere preaching the word. And so it says, Philip, I want you to remember that, that name, went down to the city of Samaria. You remember that story from the, Samar- the Good Samaritan? And preached Christ to them. Preached Christ to them. And the multitudes, they were seeing so many. How many know the Bible's multitudes are a lot? They, they, I mean, thousands. When they say multitudes, it's thousands. And they were seeing thousands in one accord, heeding the things spoken by Philip, and hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. So he is seeing a revival. Unclean spirits are coming out, crying with a loud voice. They came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. How many still believe we can see those things today? Not just today, but today. In this service, we can see the lame walk, we can see the blind healed, we can see the demons cast out in Jesus' name. The power of God is here this morning to do these things. And many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. Slow down. And there was, watch this, great joy in the city. I feel like that's what's going on right now. We're, we're seeing these things happen. There's an excitement in this place right now. There's a, an anticipation in this place because people are willing to go preach the gospel. And, and, and we're, we're seeing the, the, the vision of our church come to pass. And we're seeing the, 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 the work that we're doing grow. And some of you are stepping into positions of leadership and serving that you've been praying for and waiting for. And now you're bold enough to step out and do it. And, and you're starting to sense that that, man, I, God can use me, and there was a joy in that time. And so that's what was going on. But then I want to share with you this morning, after that, what's, what can happen a lot of times is in the, permiss- the perfect will of God, God will come to you and test your choices. He's going to come to you and say, I'm moving right here, and it's, it may be exciting and maybe even comfortable, but I want to move you over here, and I want to see if you're willing to listen to me. I want to see if you're willing to be obedient. So I want to go down to the uh, verse of 36, sorry, 26, and I'm going to share in a moment some personal things of Carl and I that ties into why we're here in Denton, Texas, and what God has done in the last uh, 14 years here, but overall really 24 years since we, uh, in 1999, I'm going to tell you something that happened. But I want to read this first because I can relate to this. The pastors who are going out this morning can relate to this. Those that, are, that said yes at the conference, and by the way, I, I, maybe someone doesn't know you're visiting, you're a guest. In our last conference, we, we, we sent out four churches to four different cities. And so they're still here today, but in the next few weeks and months, they're going to go out individually and they're going to start churches in Garland, Farmer's Branch. Um, you're supposed to let me get it by myself. I'm glad you know it, though. Fort Worth and... Man, I'm the, the, the message is on my mind. I, I wasn't planning on saying that. So, yes, those four cities, amen. They know, you, those pastors better know what city it was. 
And so we're sending them out, and there's an excitement there, and there was a decision made. And when they said yes at that conference to God, not to me, because we don't have a gun behind anybody's back. We didn't kick anybody out. We didn't say, if you don't go, we're not going to love you no more. God spoke to them. They spoke to us, and we we sent them out, and they said yes. When they did that, in a sense, all of them were comfortable. Two Two of them that I know of have bought houses just in the last year. And, and they have good jobs. And, you know, I was thinking about this this week, and I hadn't said it until just thinking about it right now. When I said that, what are we doing sending out these couples? You know, we're sending out four very faithful tithing families. Thank God that that didn't cross my mind, amen? Because as, as Ray said, we're not worried about money because God, God brings in money. When you begin to do supernatural things, God brings in supernatural money. They're going to start tithing to their church. Amen. They're going to start keeping those ties and putting it in their church and using it for, for their work. But when they did that, they were comfortable. Good jobs, good ministry in the church, people around them patting them on the back and saying, man, you're a good youth leader. Man, you're a good uh, usher. Man, you preach good. Man, you're, you, all, all this patting on the back. Man, the patting on the back's over. They made a decision to get out of their comfort zone. They're going to, some of them are going to sell their houses some of them are going to go move to another city and start over. I mean, no, that's, that's some serious decisions. And so they, they are in the will of God, but now God has challenged them with a choice to get out of that will and stay in the perfect will of God and go plant a church. Now see there how if they would have said no, they still would have been in the will of God. It's not like they've rebelled against God. That's not like they're sinning. It's not like they went out and backslid. They just, were, they just didn't answer the call. But that was the permissible will to stay. Any of those people, there may have been some people, the Lord, I'm not God, there may have been some people at conference that the Lord spoke to, and they said no. So they might be in, in this moment in the permissible will of God. But there's nothing like the perfect will of God. And, and I want to show you what God did with 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 Philip in verse 26. And if you're taking notes, one thing you could write down if you don't get anything else out of this message is there's souls tied to your obedience. And possibly cities and nations tied to your obedience. And what's the opposite of that? If you don't obey, then those souls might never know Jesus. So an angel of the Lord speaks to Philip comes along when he's seeing people, ca- demons cast out, seeing healings happen, revivals happen, and there's excitement and joy in the city, and God just has a way of coming in and just messing our hair up. I just want to mess with you a little bit and see if you're willing to get out of your comfort zone. And he says through, through the angel of the Lord, Philip, arise and go towards the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. How many have ever heard of the news, the Gaza Strip? So he's leaving Jerusalem, and he's going to Gaza. Now, I want want to hit something here very important. You've heard us say this a lot of times, and I'll say it again this morning. It is not God's will for a church to be a mega church. Thank you for those three lonely amens. You know why? Because if they would have had a mega church in the Bible times, everybody would have stayed in Jerusalem. Everybody would have done what the Islamic religion has done today. They would have made a Mecca. That for to be saved, you got to go to the Mecca. And everybody would, do you notice today that we've never mentioned in your salvation that you got to go to Jerusalem to go to heaven? 
Because it said to go from Jerusalem to Samaria to the ends of the earth, the gospel will be preached. So if they'd have stayed there in their comfort zone and built up a mega church in Jerusalem, no one else would be saved. We wouldn't be saved today. The gospel would have never gotten to us. How many are thankful that they left Jerusalem? Amen. They left their Jerusalem. These pastors are leaving their Jerusalem right now. They're leaving the comfort of their home. They're leaving a place where they know everybody. They, 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 they have stability, and they're answering the call. And he says, go to that place. And then this is interesting. He just throws in there, this is desert. The cities that these pastors and wives are going to are deserts spiritually. You know why? Because it don't matter. You might say, man, Fort Worth's got this uh, big old big old preacher down there in this big old church, and South Dallas got this. No, we're not going to get church people. We're not sending these pastors in to go get church people. We're going in to get the lost. We're going to get people that are in a desert spiritually, that don't know Jesus. Church, all four of these couples we're sending out were saved in this church. In this church. They're not people, not that people can't come in. I came into our fellowship. Not that can't happen, but we're going to get souls. Do you think of John and Ceci, Jerry and Veronica, Brian and Joy, Nestor and Priscilla, you think of those four couples? Someone came and witnessed to them. Someone came and shared the gospel with them. This church gave them the gospel. They got saved in this place. That's the gospel, is spreading it and telling people about it and not staying in your Jerusalem. Go to the desert sometimes. God's not going to say, hey, I got this beautiful place for you to go, and it's even better than where you're at right now. Go. He's not going to do that. The will of God, the perfect will of God, is always the road less traveled. Always. But if you stay in the gospel long enough, you get to see that there is better at the end. But you got to stay in it long enough. Some people try God for a week. If you don't change in a week, then you go back to their old ways. You don't do that. Understand, God is a God that is not a microwave God. He doesn't do things instantaneously. He's a slow-cooking God. You just got to stay in it long enough to see it. So let's keep reading here. So he arose and went. That's what you got to do. Just obey. Tell the person next to you, just, just obey. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, very important person, under Candace the queen, this would have been the area uh, we would see, think of Ethiopia today, would have been more closer to Sudan, and, and these, this woman was a queen, and she had sent this man, uh, or he, this, this man was under her, her power, and it says, who had charge of all her treasury. I don't know if you've got a treasure, you've got a lot of money. Someone's got to count it. And he's charged the treasury of this queen, and this is important. It says he had come to Jerusalem to worship. I want, I want to leave that there for a second, and I want to hit this even a little harder than I did in the first service. A lot of times when we read the Bible, we don't know the background of a story. That's why you need to study your Bible. You need to read in front and behind and around a story that you read. You need to get understanding and, and realize that what he's trying to show us here, we would read that and says, he comes to Jerusalem for worship. We would think he's saved. We would think he's, he's, a, he's a believer. This was a man who was not a believer, but he wanted to be saved. And so he's going to Jerusalem because he wants to become a Jew, in the sense of he wants to be in Judaism. Christ was just barely being preached, so they didn't know Christianity yet. Are you following me? So this man 
is like so many people today that you were before you came in and like so many people that are waiting in these cities for these pastors and wives to get there and their families to start this church who are, who are people who are not saved, but they want to be saved. They're looking, but they don't know where to look. And he says, I want to go to Jerusalem and, and I want to go to that place that everybody else is going to. And he goes... And this is what I find, I, I believe happens a lot of times today, church, in the churches, the big churches that are not preaching the gospel, that are not preaching the truth, that are not doing it the right way, is they're giving people something that leaves them walking away like they drink soda. Some of you will get that later. They go to the place that they think is the place they're supposed to go, but they leave dry. This man goes to Jerusalem to worship, and they don't let him worship because he's not Jewish. He wanted to be baptized in water. That's what he wanted, because he knew if he would get baptized that he would be saved. So he goes, and they turn him down because he's a eunuch. There's going to be people in these cities you're going to that have been turned down and rejected by everybody else. And you're going to call them in and love them right where they're at. And they're going to find a home and a peace and a joy in the truth of the gospel and love. Amen? And then it says, so he went to Jerusalem to worship. Let's keep reading. And was returning, but you only know that he didn't get to do it if you read somewhere else. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him. Notice he didn't walk, he didn't jog. He ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, and this is where I believe people are today. Think, Understand, there are people that are looking for hope. They just don't know where to find it. They're waiting for someone to come give them a Jesus card. They're waiting for someone to come tell them Jesus loves them. They're waiting for someone to show them a life that's lived unto God and not something that's a Sunday morning only Christian. They're looking. This person was looking, and Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? And watch what he says. How can I? Unless someone guides me. Romans 10 that we read the other day. How can they believe on someone they have not heard? How can they hear if they're not sent? That's what we're doing this morning. We're sending churches out to other cities where there are people waiting for someone to tell them who Jesus is. Maybe they heard about him growing up. Maybe they've had a, uh, an experience, but they've never been saved, and they need someone to come and show them. And so he says, and he asked Philip, come up and sit. How, I want to I believe for these new churches that people are going to ask you, I want the Jesus you have. Can we believe for an acceleration in these last days of people getting saved? People begging and asking, what do you have? I want it. I want what you have. He says, he says come sit with me. Talk to me. The place in the scripture which he read was, this is Isaiah 53. Don't go look at it for now for time, please. It says, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away, and who will declare his generation, for his life is taken from the earth. So he's reading this part of scripture, and watch the question he asks. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask of you, of whom does the prophet say this? Is he talking about himself, Isaiah, or is he talking about somebody else? How many would love people to just come up and ask you, what do you have? 
You know what? If we're doing it enough, we're passing tracks out enough, we're praying enough, we're doing the right thing enough, that'll happen. That's what revival is. People will get saved, as Pastor Jones says, wholesale. They'll come in and we won't have room for them. They'll get saved so fast. We'll have to figure out how to do more next step classes. Because there's, no, there's too many people getting saved. That's what happens when revival's going on and when people are doing the right thing and you're sowing enough seeds. So he answers, verse 35. He says, I'm glad you asked. Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Leave that there. Notice he did not say, uh, open your Bible and get, learn the 16 fundamentals of truth. He preached Jesus to him. We met with these pastors and wives on Friday, and we challenged them to go to these cities and preach Jesus and tell the people we're going to take this city for Jesus, and we're going we're to change lives and just talk about Jesus and keep it simple. And tell them like we've been talking about for the last few weeks, let me tell you about the person who changed my life. Did, 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 let me see if there's anybody who has, has had Jesus change your life. If Jesus has changed your life, let me see your hand. You go out and tell people what Jesus did for you. Don't tell them about, and, and listen, let me tell you, I say this all the time. Some of y'all's testimonies I would love to have. I would love to share your testimony. Some of y'all have such an amazing, powerful testimony. Open your mouths and tell people about it. People need to hear what God has done for you because God has done some amazing things in some of you. Some of you all were some serious heathens. Amen. God has saved you from a lot. So go tell someone about it. He preached Jesus to them. And now as they went down the road, they came to some water. I'm telling you, this guy wanted to get baptized. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What hinders me? Now remember, this goes back to when he went to Jerusalem and they told him he couldn't get baptized. Whatever theology was, whatever doctrine that was, he's hearing, he's hearing something new now. And in his mind, he might be thinking, well, what's he going to tell me? What's, what rules and regulations is this person going to tell me that I have to go through to get baptized? He says, what, what, what hinders me from being baptized? And watch what he says. If you believe with all your heart, you may. I remember in Costa Rica, and God bless them, it's just a cultural thing. People come up to me and say, Pastor, don't we have a class before we get baptized? Don't we have to go to the lake? And don't we have to be in a river? And they put all these things on the thing. And I tell them, where in the world is that in the Bible? And I take them to Acts chapter 8. He said, what hinders me from being baptized? That you believe with all your heart you can be baptized in water. That's the only, that's the only thing is believe and be saved. We make it too hard sometimes. Would anybody agree with that? When you come in and you get saved, you begin to learn how to carry yourself and, and learn how to tithe and how to pray. and learn all. We don't need you to know all that when you come in and you're hopeless and you're hurting and you're dying and you're addicted to drugs. You need to know you can get off those drugs and get set free. You don't need to know the 16 fundamentals of faith. You need to know Jesus loves you and you can be saved. And you'll figure out the rest as you go along. It's not unhealthy to see people smoking cigarettes in the parking lot. It's not unhealthy to see someone bringing up to the altar some, some weed or some drugs, some paraphernalia because God got a hold of their lives. That's a healthy church. That means, health, that means hurting people are coming into the church. Amen. The emergency room people, they, they don't, they don't want to you know, just fix little cuts. They want the big things. That's what they, that's what they signed up for. They want to see the... 
Not that I would. They want to see the blood gushing out. That's why I'm not a nurse or a doctor. Amen. I can't see that. But are you guys following what I'm saying here? And then he says, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's what matters. That's the door. That's the way you get to heaven is believing. Now watch this, 38. Here, here's, here's a little bit more doctrine for you. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. Both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. There was no sprinkling going on. Amen. We, we believe baptism is submersion in that water, and some people need to stay down longer, and some of y'all need to get baptized again because you didn't stay down long enough. Amen. That dead, that old man's still alive. He needs to go back down again. Amen. That's what that baptism is, and it's under the water. And it says they went down into the water, and he baptized him. And look at this. And they came up out of the water. It doesn't say they dried off with the towel, the sprinkle on their head, forehead. They came up out of the water, and the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that he, the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. And Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Look what God did in obedience when this man Philip was in revival and in a place of comfort, in a place where God was moving. But God said, I've got some people over in another city in the desert, and I need you to get out of your comfort zone and obey the voice of the Lord and go speak the gospel to them so they can be saved too. That's how God works. That's what these families are doing. You need to pray more. You know, we were, Pastor Martin, I was talking about the day you say you ain't got nothing to pray for. What is wrong with you? We have four new churches to pray for. Amen. I haven't slept much this week. I have been, and not on purpose, I've been trying to sleep, but I've, my mind is going a thousand miles an hour trying to figure all this out. But this is what I prayed for. This is what I asked for, that we would see move, God move, and, and lives be touched. But I want to I bring this in to close this morning, just the personal story. And I talked earlier about not liking to, liking to talk about yourself, but this is what God did in us to get us to Denton today. Back in 1998, 24 years ago, we were living in this city. Some people don't know this story. Some do. I think I've told it two or three times over the 14 years. We were living in this city. We had come from Tucson, Arizona. That's a whole other story. And we were here and started a business. I made more money that year than I think I've ever made in my life. I had my own business and construction and all kinds of different stuff. Carla and I had been married for six years, four years. Four years, Kristen was three, and um, Destiny wasn't even uh, alive yet. And we're going through this year, and, and we started going to a church that's over here in Denton, uh, near, near 35 and Lindsay Street. And it's interesting today because we have people that live in that area, like just right down that road. And the church in Fort Worth Drive that was our prior building was just a few blocks away from there. It's funny how God brings things full circle. So in 1998, everything's good. The church that we're in is, is seeing revival. People are getting saved. Um, we're, we started a kids' ministry on the street. I became the assistant pastor. Uh, I was serving along him. We were happy. Colin and I had season passes to Six Flags. We were enjoying life. We had a, a good income. We were happy. We were in a good church. We were doing what God wanted us to do. And all of a sudden, around September, I told this in the first service, I got what would be considered for a woman, for a man, PMS. 
If, if a man could get it, I think that's what I had. That's what my dad would say anyways, Pastor Andrews. He said, I was a jerk. I was no fun to be around. I was miserable. I was unhappy. Why would I be all that if I've got good money and a good job and a good church and a good ministry? Because God was speaking to me. And God was asking me to go to the desert. I was in a very comfortable place. And I began to, to realize and recognize that the Lord was speaking to me about leaving Denton to go to Costa Rica. And I remember that, that year I had gotten very close to the pastor. I was his assistant, as I said. And we actually were, were I, that was probably the best shape I've been in my life, except for right out of high school into college. And the couple years, I probably was even better shaped than when I was playing professional in Costa Rica. But I lifted like five times a week, and I ate five times a day. So I was really doing all that stuff you're supposed to do. And we lifted together, the pastor and I. So we were every morning together. We were in the afternoon together. We were at church together. God begins to speak to me and says, I want you to go to Costa Rica. I went to Carla, and she, of course, didn't believe it. She never thought God would call us back to Costa Rica. And so I said, honey, I think God's speaking to us to go to Costa Rica. And, and that was September. And as soon as, of course, I said God wants us to go, the, the, the PMS lifted. Amen. The, 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 the anger lifted. The bitterness lifted. The cloud of confusion lifted. And I knew I was supposed to go. So told my parents, began to plan, began to sell stuff. Two weeks later, I get a call from the pastor. He says, I got to talk to you. And I, you know, when you get that call sometimes, you know it's not a good thing. You just tell them, by the way, they say, I got to talk to you. So I met him at a Chinese restaurant here in Denton. And he sat down with me and he said, I, I got to tell you first, I've been having an affair for the last two years with someone in the church. And I was floored. I mean, I was totally shocked. And I even remember telling God, God, why in the world would you let me hang out with this guy every single day and not let me feel something. And God told me, as clear as a bell, you would have left. I would have left the church and I would have missed out on the, the next steps. Sometimes God won't reveal everything to you. And so he tells me that and he says, I need you to tell the church. Now, Rowdy and Kendra were in that church, so I have witnesses besides my wife. They were in that church. And that's also what's interesting about how full circle works. So I had to go tell the church that night and stand up in front of a congregation and be the one to give that news. Imagine what that would be like in a church. And God began to use me not only to tell that news, but to try to help heal the church. And for the next couple months, I preached, and I ministered, and God did a lot of stuff in me, you know, and, and I knew what I was doing, but the church didn't know what I was doing. And so as time went on, getting near the, near the end of 1998, September's when he spoke. We left December 10th. Somewhere in there, the, 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 the deacon board came to me and said, you know, you, that we're looking for a pastor. We've been looking all over. We were 24, I was 24 years old. So we're looking all over, and we think that you're doing a great job in this church. And why don't you take this church over? Now, what I want you to understand is when that was spoken to me, this is what you got to realize. And I don't say this to brag. I say this because of the sacrifice that God called us to do to be able to get to where we are today. I, I was making good money and everything, but there was a salary at that church, housing allowance, um, benefits, health insurance. I've never had health insurance in my life till two years ago. This was 24 years ago, health insurance. I mean, everything you can possibly think of in a package. And, and it was a very blessed church with very wealthy people in the church. And, and I just want to say this, until the last couple years here as a full-time pastor, I'm making now what they offered me 24 years ago. 
Just think about that. Just put that in your mind of the, of this, of the temptation that I had in the flesh to say, God, you called me to go to Costa Rica, but this is a good deal right here. There's revival going on in this church, man. Why can't I, and I could have taken that job. But thank God, two weeks before, he had spoke to my heart, and I had said yes. And church, we left that opportunity. We took $10,000 of our own money with no backing, no backing of a, of a fellowship, no backing of a church, and moved down to San Jose, Costa Rica, with my wife pregnant three months with Destiny, with a three-year-old girl. And when we got there, my great father-in-law that's here, father-in-love here that's here visiting this morning, gave me a 1988 Dodge Dynasty, a hoopty. <laughs> Big old sucker. Which is very ironic because three years later, I had killed somebody with that car. That sounds crazy. We had been visiting three years before and was driving down the road of the freeway to pick up her sister. And a pastor, 57-year-old pastor, tried to cross the freeway, like 35, and I killed him. Didn't know your pastor was a murderer, did you? How come you're not laughing? He was a pastor. He's in heaven. All right? He's in heaven. Matter of fact, I went and told someone that story one time, and the guy was like, well, he's, he's, exa- he's going to thank you when you get to heaven. I was like, okay, I'll take it that way then. Same car, 1988 Dodge Dynasty, got in that car, opened up the newspaper, and began to look where all the crime was. I'll tell you what, you need to take advantage of your youth because you do stupid things when you're young. I mean it. Wherever the crime was, that's where we'd go start the ministry. We'd drive that Dodge Dynasty in, open up the trunk, pull out two big tarps, get in the car and drive around with a sound horn and, hey, come, come, come to the plaza, come to the plaza and invite people to come. And we had an average, and my parents, parents are here to, as witnesses, average of two to 300 kids would show up on that, on that tarp in two little tarps. Kristen, little white blonde girl sitting in the middle of all those Latina kids, all those Latina kids sitting on that tarp just listening like everybody else. That's part of the reason the way she turned out. She grew up around tough, tough stuff bad neighborhoods and God began to do a work there and we got to where we would have two or three hundred kids we'd have a hundred adults standing on the outside with their umbrellas from the sun or from the from the rain and we would give them the gospel we would preach the gospel and people would get saved people would be raising their hands people would be crying out in open lots in six or seven different cities in Costa Rica and, that, and God, God began to move in that way. And then I met Pastor Jones through Pastor Dustin on the basketball court. And, and then we were grafted into this fellowship. And, and I'll never forget when Pastor Jones came, he wanted to see what we were doing. He wanted to see what we were about and see what the kids' ministry was doing. And I, and I said, Pastor, we're going to go out and we're going to be out there for like three hours. You need some sunblock. And he didn't want to put the sunblock on. And, man, he turned as red as Laura's shirt. Hey, man, he was a lobster after... And uh, I asked him about that today, and he remembered it. You remember getting burnt that bad. So he saw with his eyes what we were doing and how I could draw a crowd, and he saw in me something that I didn't see or really want to see, which was that I had a pastor's heart. Because I always said, Carla knows that I'm going to be an evangelist. I wanted to travel around and preach. But church, be careful what you say, and be careful what you say you don't want to do or won't do. Because God works really good in that area. I didn't even want to work with kids. 
If you know me now, today, like, I, you know, I love kids, but I love to pat them on the back and say bye and hi. I don't like to, you know, hang out with them for too long. And I love to give my grandkids back even, amen? But somehow I'm working with thousands of kids. God will work you. But then Pastor Jones says, you got to get these people into a church. And that's what made us start that church. And you start to think this morning, I want to end with this as the musicians begin to come. I want you to think first. How many have ever seen the movie It's a Wonderful Life? If you haven't seen it, you ought to watch it. Too many of you haven't seen it. You know, there's some movies that are classics. But there's a story in there that he realizes if he would have never been born, what would have happened. And I, and I began to think this week with all that's going on and seeing now some of these things come to fruition. Churches being planted and lives being changed and the revival that we're seeing. What if we would have stayed here in Denton in the permissible will of God? There would be no VWO Denton. Now, Victor World Outreach would exist, but most of you, most likely all of you, would not be involved in Victor World Outreach because that's how we got hooked up from going down to Costa Rica. I started to think there'd be no Victor World Outreach for us. There'd be no Landon and Destiny. They would have never met. They've known each other since they were four or five years old on the mission field. There'd be no Briar. Can you all imagine no life without Briar? You all know he's he's a superstar in this place. He got tired of all the people touching his face at conference. He's so cute. There'd be no Dylan and, and Kristen. There'd be no Everett. There'd be no Braden and Joelle. You all, you all re- realize what I'm saying? They would have never met. There'd be no Chris and Laura. Who knows where they'd be? There'd be no John and Ceci. No Jerry and Veronica. No Nestor and Priscilla heading to Fort Worth. No Brian and Joy heading to Garland. Frank would still be dead in religion. Amen? Amen, Franca? De- I, I remember my father-in-law was reminding me, or my mother-in-law, one of the two, when I dropped Brian off to meet you one night after coming back from conference. She didn't like me, and she didn't like us. <laughs> she was not happy that he, he was, because she didn't know what she knows today. But you just start thinking about how much she loves our church, and now she's smiling from ear to ear over there, knowing her kids are starting a church. There'd be no Dylan and Ashley, no church in Tanzania. No Jose and Marcella starting a church in Ciudad Colón. No churches in Costa Rica, possibly. Me and, Dust, me and Dustin would have never met. Who knows? And, and, and then know you and your testimony. Think about, and that's not to brag. That's to say that a choice that I made to say I'd rather be in the perfect will of God and go to Costa Rica than stay here and be comfortable has changed so many lives. And now these pastors are going to do the same thing, to get out of their comfort zone and go change lives. Amen? How many see how powerful it is to be obedient to the will of God? Because your obedience is tied to someone's salvation. Just think about that this morning. You know, and one of the things, uh, the musicians coming, I saw Landon walk by. I'll start playing the piano here in a second. My wife can play, by the way. Mm, She's hiding out over there. She's playing at the house last night. All of a sudden, these pastor's wives are learning how to play the piano. <laughs> School of hard knocks. Veronica's practicing on a keyboard that she can't even hear because there's no amp. <laughs> she has one now? All right. 
God is providing. You know, don't look, don't look at somebody and see what they have today and think anything anyway if you don't know what they've sacrificed to get where they are. Amen? Don't do that because you don't know what people have sacrificed to get you in a place where you could get saved. I was telling, I think, John on Friday went to lunch, and I was telling him another message that I think I've preached one time is such a good message is how we don't tie our miracle to the house. Does that make sense? You know, God is the one that does the miracle, but God has to have a church to be the hospital. And too many people see God do an amazing thing in their lives, and they don't tie the miracle to the house. Don't, don't be like that this morning. Be thankful for what God did in your life. I, I said this at the altar call this morning. I'm going to say it right now. I'll never forget. As I was reading verses, let me give me just one more minute, and I mean that. I was reading verses. By the way, in case you didn't know, when I ask that question, I'm not really asking. It's just to kind of fill time, amen. So if we raise your hand or not, it doesn't really matter. I just thought I'd throw that in there. Um, she's like, well, I didn't give, I'm not giving you none in a minute. Well, too bad. I was reading all the verses about the will of God, and most of them, you know what? Most of you won't know this. Most of the, where it says, and this is the will of God, most of the verses are gratitude. Being thankful. I'll never forget the man who led me to Jesus. Chris Clark, the evangelist. I'll never forget him. Ever. I'm friends with him today. We talked last week. Because if he didn't make a choice to go to Tucson, Arizona in 1992 and preach a revival on a Tuesday night and tell me I was going to hell, that's where I'd be right now. That's where I'd be. So I'm thankful for that man saying yes to the will of God. That man who has lived his entire life, not even married, has given his life to God. I know that's rare. It's hard. I could never do it. But he has given his life to preach the gospel. And because he said yes and made a choice, I got saved. I called him this week, and I call him every time something big happens, and I tell him, Chris, because he's an evangelist, not a pastor, I say, Chris, four, four more churches notched up on your crown. Because everything I do for God goes back to him reaching me. Whoever touched you, and you go touch another person, it's a trickle effect. And that, those souls that you touched, that touch others, goes into your crown. And he was so happy and so excited. I'll never forget and never stop being thankful to Pastor Jones for seeing in me that I was a pastor. If he didn't speak into my life and tell me, you've got a call to be a pastor and start this church, I would have never seen what I'm seeing today, which is my greatest joy now is to see others do well for the Lord. To see others, there's, there's no greater joy than what's going on right now to see these couples rising up and going and seeing that what I've been able to teach them as I've been taught by Pastor Jones, it's the discipleship. So there's a gratitude church that we have to have and we have to be thankful for what the Lord has done in our lives. Amen. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? All over this place, those listening online, you're here this morning. How many could say, I'm, I'm not saved? I'm like that, that eunuch. I, I, I believe, I, I'm looking, I'm searching, but I've never confessed Jesus Christ as my Lord. I believe there's some people that could be in this service this morning that you know of God. 
but you don't know them. You've been to church. You maybe been in this church for a long time. You've heard a bunch of altar calls, a bunch of salvation calls, but you've never understood how important it is that the choice you make, think about this, forget everything else I said today and realize how important your choice is to reject or accept Jesus. It's your eternity. It's your eternity. Forever. Where the worm doesn't die and the fire doesn't go out, the Bible says is hell for those who reject Jesus. Today, if you've never said, Jesus, I fr- I'm sorry for my sins. Jesus, I believe, as that eunuch said, I, that G- I believe Jesus is the Son of God. He's the Christ. If you've never done that, today's the day, the Bible says, of your salvation. Today is the acceptable day of the Lord. How many all over this place would say, Pastor, that's me. Just put your hand up and put it right back down. I need you to pray for me. Just quickly, slip it up and put it right back down. I know there's some people here. I know it. I wish I could lift your hand for you. If I could show you five seconds of hell, you wouldn't even be thinking about raising your hand. If I could show you five seconds of heaven, you wouldn't even be thinking about raising your hand right now. I'm going to wait just a moment. I'm not asking you to become a member of our church. I'm asking you, if you died today, would you go to heaven? And what would you say to God when you stand before a holy, perfect God? That says, I require an answer of your sin. What are you going to say? There's nothing you can say. Call on the name of Jesus and you shall be saved. How many? That's me. Waiting, Waiting because I care enough for your soul. Waiting because the Holy Spirit's dealing with you right now and telling you, you need to give your life to Jesus. You need to quit running from God. You need to start running to God. I'm going to wait just five more seconds. You've never said that prayer. You're not saved. You're not born again. Maybe you're here and you're backslidden. You're running. You know the truth. But you're angry at God or you're frustrated at God or something's going through your mind and you're in a bad place. And today, God is saying, listen, I didn't do that to you. I didn't do that to you. I've got a plan and a purpose for your life. Come unto me. All you are heavy laden and burdened, and I'll give you rest. The reason you're so miserable is because you're running from the will of God. How many would say, I'm backslidden this morning? Pastor, pray for me. Just put your hand up. Put it right back down. i got to believe you're all saved in this place this morning. Maybe there's someone watching online, people watching. We're going to say a sinner's prayer in just a moment. I want to ask you to reverently and quietly stand up this morning, if you would. We're going to open up these altars in just a minute. We're going to say a salvation prayer in just a minute. But I want to say one more thing the Holy Spirit just pricked me on. This is is a golden nugget. If you don't answer the call of God. now, Now listen, this is important. Not everybody is called to pastor, obviously. We need senders. We need people who will put gas in the car. And we need people in between who who aren't pastoring, but they're leading and they're serving. And there's so much to do, so many things to do. But listen, whether it's pastoring or whether it's teaching Sunday school or whether it's being a prayer warrior, whatever it is, if you don't answer the call of God, I'm going to give you one word that you're going to be miserable. Miserable. There's been times over the years that 
Carl and I thought, man, can't we just be normal in the sense? Can't we just be Christians and go to church? You know, she's even said, not in a bad way, just can we just can we just serve God and love God, but not be pastors, not lead, not, you know, because you get to a place where you get tired, you get whatever you're going through in your mind. And I told her, yep, we can, but you don't want to live with me. So I'll be miserable. The most miserable person in the world is the person who's running from the call of God. And, and our grandson, Briar, oh, oh, help me do it right. Oh, 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 oh. He, he, does it, he does it perfect every time, and I still mess it up. Somehow, I go back to some, what group is that? I go back to some new kids on the block beat. I didn't even like them. But when I start doing the oh, oh, it's some song from the newsboys, or the new kids on the block. Anyways, the song is about Jonah and the whale. That's his favorite song. You can just say yes to the ant, answer the call of God, or you can just be miserable like Jonah and go in the whale. God's going to get you one way or the other, amen? So just say yes today to whatever God's calling you to do. It may be financial. It may be praying. It may be stepping up and becoming uh, more of what God's, whatever it is, just say yes to what God's telling you to do this morning, amen? Let's say this prayer. This Lord Jesus, we ask you to forgive us. For all of our sins. We believe this morning. With all of our heart. That you died on the cross. For our sins. We fall short of your glory. We need a savior. I believe. And confess with my mouth. Jesus Christ. Is Lord. And is the son of the living God. And you came out of that grave. And defeated it. And died on the cross for my sins. Please wash me clean. Make me a new creation. And from this day forward, I'm going to serve you. And I'm going to preach your gospel everywhere I go. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.